jumper on the way. He hits, and it's a three. It's a franchise record, 54 for Carl Anthony Towns. Wolves cast, audio on demand. Gibson struggling to get it in, finds Wiggins. Andrew around a town screen, inside of midcourt, launches the three, at the buzzer, banks it in. Andrew Wiggins has won it at the buzzer. Lots it up ahead. Tyus rises up and slams it with the right hand. Taj Gibson with the defensive play of the game. It's over, it's over. Celebrate Wolves Nation. Welcome into another episode of Wolves Cast Audio On Demand. I'm John Fogey alongside Cal Soderquist. And coming up on this episode, we'll continue our 30th season celebration. Conversation on the way with J.R. Ryder. We take a look back at that infamous slam dunk contest held here at Target Center during the 94 All-Star Game as J.R. Ryder broke out that East Bay funk dunk. We'll talk all about that coming up. Plus, we've got a feature on Derrick Rose, who is turning back the clock and coming off a game in Chicago where he heard MVP chants from the opposing crowd. So we've got that story coming up for you. Plus, we'll go three in the key and preview this next stretch of games for Minnesota as they will head back out on the road. But first, Cal, let's take a look at a couple of games earlier this week, both on the road and, you know, Minnesota picking up big wins at Oklahoma City and at Chicago. And I think a couple of things that stand out, number one, uh, Minnesota's defense on the road. These last two games, their defensive rating, 102.5. You uh, kind of compare that to their defensive rating on the road overall, which is 113.6. So the defense has been better. And then the other thing that stands out, they've won the three-point battle in the these last two games you know we talked last week about that being such an issue for Minnesota they gave up you know 19 threes 20 threes to Detroit and then again 19 uh, to San Antonio as they kicked off that road trip so better defense winning the three-point battle suddenly you've got a couple of road wins it seems the math seems to work there and I like that and like you said it's it's exciting because those two points you know as as we turn the calendar to a new year and you look at this first chunk of the season for the Wolves those have been the biggest concerns, especially mm-hmm. when you look at just how puzzling it was. Why doesn't this defense that's so great at home, why doesn't it travel on the road? Why, why is this team struggling on the road? So the fact that we're seeing that and, and the wins, you know, convincing against Chicago, yes, and, and certainly impressive against OKC as well. Um, but also wins that don't look fluky by any means. You, you can build off these wins. You can establish something. Uh, and continue to try to find some momentum away from home. And that's really been the missing piece for this team so far is the inconsistency away from target center. The Wolves have played very well for the most part here in this building. So very exciting stuff to know that, hey, maybe this team has found something sustainable away from home. And it's interesting, too. The guys have talked about this a lot over the last week, but they're outing to Top Golf down in Oklahoma City. They all got together. They had some fun there. And then they turned around and, and put together maybe one of their best road efforts. And they followed that up with a win at Chicago. But there certainly is something to be said for team building and, and having some fun away from the court. And, you know, you couple that with the fact that on the flight from San Antonio to Oklahoma City, the guys kind of got together and they just talked about, hey, this is not how we want to be playing on the road. And, and, you know, they've come out of that in a positive manner. So those two things uh, maybe have propelled this team in in the right direction since then. And we talk about road trips and how it really has to be a lot of players say this, uh, us against the world type mentality where you really got to 
circle the wagons and get everyone together. And, and some of those golf swings, too, can certainly bring everyone together with some laughs. You know who felt the best about watching those swings? Charles Barkley. He was like, okay, I'm not the worst golfer in the world I was going to say me. Maybe I could beat a couple of these guys. But, yeah, it, it looked like a ton of fun was, was the big takeaway. And uh, you certainly could see it. And if it came through on the videos, I'm sure it was there as well in person. All right. The Wolves uh, picking up some nice road wins, and they'll be back out on the road here to wrap up and launch into the new year. Coming up next, we continue our celebration of 30 seasons. Got a conversation with J.R. Ryder right here on the Timberwolves Radio Network. The Timberwolves are back, and so is College Night, presented by U.S. Bank. For select home games, college students can get upper-level tickets for $10 by using a valid.edu email address online. Visit Timberwolves.com college for more info. Minnesota Timberwolves, all eyes north. Welcome back to Wolves Cast. John Fokey with you here. Still to come, we'll take a look at the throwback season that Derek Rose is putting together. Plus, we'll go three in the key with Cal Soderquist. But as we continue our celebration of 30 seasons of Timberwolves basketball, I had the chance to sit down recently with former Timberwolf J.R. Ryder talk about his infamous East Bay Funk dunk that won him the 94 Slam Dunk Contest here at Target Center. That infamous interview on, on draft night where you said you're going to win the Slam Dunk Contest. Uh, how did you know at that time that you were going to do that and, and go out and do it eventually a couple months later, but just the confidence right there to say, hey, I, I'm here and I'm going to do this. I watched the dunk contest. Well, everyone watched the dunk contest, right? But I watched it the, the, the prior two years. So I was saying to myself, Kemp is probably the biggest dunker. And for some reason, he's having trouble in the contest um, in the actual contest, although he's probably the best dunker in the league in game. So I went in saying to myself, okay, I should win this, right? I'm looking at Sean Kemp as probably the my best competitor, but I should win this. He's 6'10", I'm 6'5", I'm going to do it between the legs, I'm going to do something that he can't do. Yeah, I was looking at it like I have a good chance of winning this, and then they asked me, and I watched it the year before. I was like, oh, yeah, I got a good shot next year winning. I probably should have been a little more humble, but yeah. But then you went out and did it. Uh, you brought up something really great. Sean Kemp, the best in-game dunker. And there is a difference, isn't there, between in-game dunkers and, and dunk cost contest dunkers? Yeah, the, the, there's a huge difference. Um, in-game dunks are adrenaline, right? spontaneous. If someone's there, you might have to go over them and climb them or go around them. Uh, you never know what's going to happen, how they're going to jump, uh, what you know, how you're going to counter maybe what they're doing, the defense is doing. So it's unpredictable. The dunk contest, you know what you're doing, you know your angles, you know your spots, you know kind of pretty much what you want to do. But I never worked on the dunk contest like the kids do nowadays. Uh, I never... Like, when I played with the Timberwolves, I mean, I remember playing when we have a lot of games, you know, it's 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 longer. I never said to myself, I'm going to go out to the gym and, and, and practice, knowing I have all these games, um, playing big minutes. And I just didn't feel like it was necessary. I felt like I was spontaneous enough to do it. So during those times, we didn't. We didn't um, we didn't concentrate as much on the dunks as they do now and put emphasis on them as as much as they do now. So it was different for me back then, and I was pretty confident in my in myself. So I was like, I'm just gonna if I freestyle, I should be fine. And the only time it went bad is when I um, threw it up and I was going to um, windmill it. In college, I did it really easy. I only took one chance. I had the right angle uh, in the uh, NBA dunk contest. I didn't take the same angle, 
that's from not watching and studying. And then there were some people there when I wanted to take that that angle. So that was the only one I really felt like I had problems with and I should have should have, you know, made that happen. That was a signature dunk as well at the time. Well, without practicing it, uh, having that East Bay Funk in the back pocket, were you nervous going to do it? Was there any trepidation about going up and whether or not you could finish it in that competition? I wasn't nervous. I was more like, when am I going to pull this out? Like, you know, they told us the format of the strategy. It was more strategy. Like, when should I do it? They told us... um, the strategy of the format of the dunk contest, but but once it's going, you kind of, you know, you don't forget, you know, it's the first round, the second round, and then bam, it's the final. But I was like, when should I pull it out? And I was wondering if Sean was going to do something huge, if he was going to make me pull it out a little earlier, um, I was going to pull it out earlier. So it was more strategy, when should I pull this out? But when I pull it out, I'm going to shock the house. So I kind of knew that I did have it in the pocket, and it was, I was more depending on Sean and strategy. And I had, I never did it, but at the end of the dunk contest, they gave me a uh, last dunk. They were like, you want to do another dunk? I was like, sure, I'll do a, another dunk, although I didn't have to. So I was telling Antonio Davis, who's from Oakland, I was like, I'm going to throw it up. I was uh, simulating the dunk. I'm going to throw it up, catch it, go between the legs. He's like, no, no, just, just relax. Um, that was us, if you see us in the dunk contest at the end, going back and forth. So I didn't try it. And then later on, you see guys, you know, throwing it up, doing that same thing. And I used to do that back then, but my money dunk was just off the dribble. But since they gave me a different, uh, another dunk, I was going to do that and present it to the world. But um, I did not. That's former Timberwolf J.R. Ryder reliving the 94 Slam Dunk Contest, part of All-Star Weekend here in Minneapolis. And part of the 30th season celebration, Timberwolves will be wearing their Hardwood Classic uniforms throughout the year, and they'll be wearing them in three straight games coming up on this road trip at New Orleans, at Miami, and at Boston. All right, keep it right here. Derek Rose turning back the clock. We've got this story next on the Timberwolves Radio Network. The season is here, and unforgettable experiences are just waiting for you and your group. Catch the pack in action and get in on pregame performances, player high fives, photo ops, and more. Find your experience now at Timberwolves.com slash groups. Minnesota Timberwolves, all eyes north. Wolvescast continues. John Fokey with you. Still to come, Cal Soderquist returns. We go three in the key to take a look at the upcoming road trip for the Wolves. But first... Derek Rose has been turning back the clock for Minnesota this season. The number one overall pick to Chicago out of Memphis put up incredible numbers playing for his hometown Bulls on his way to be named the youngest MVP in NBA history. But injuries and trades took their toll, leading many to wonder if Rose would ever be able to recapture the magic he played with early in his career. As Rose re-signed with Minnesota during the offseason, there were questions about where his confidence level was at. But as Rose said, confidence has never been an issue. It was more about opportunity. I felt like my confidence always been there. Like my confidence was there. It's just opportunities. You go from shooting 25 times to it's my 10th year, and you know, I'm, I'm getting DMPs and only shooting five, seven times a game. That, I feel like that has nothing to do with my confidence. It's just lack of opportunity. And he hit the ground running this season, taking advantage of his opportunities by playing with extreme confidence. Confidence that included a career-high 50 points in a Wolves win over the Jazz in late October. Here's Timberwolves head coach Tom Thibodeau. This summer was the first time in five years that he didn't have to do rehab. So he was able to you know, work on his body, work on his game, 
So I think he's really healthy probably for the first time in a long time. And whenever Derek's been healthy, he's always played well. To do the things that he's done, it says a lot about who he is. And as long as he's healthy, he'll be one of the best players in the league. Throughout his career, Rose has been an MVP, an all-star, all-NBA. But this season, as he spent most of it backing up point guard Jeff Teague, he set his sights on a different accolade. I'm not here to tell you what I'm going to do or or I'm going to do this and do that, brag or boast about it. Like The only thing that I said is I would like winning six-man of the year, and I don't think that's anything bad to say or uh, a bad goal to want. Like With me coming off the bench, I want to be the best bench player. That's just how I feel. So if anything, I think it'll help the team. Rose is eighth in scoring among bench players at 16 points per game, and while fans will see flashes of his old game, breaking down defenders to get to the rim and finish in traffic, Rose's game has evolved to include a three-point shot, which he's hitting at a career-high 47%, good enough for fifth in the NBA. Every great act reinvent themselves, no matter if it's entertainment, um, um, in the sports world, whatever, musicians, whatever, every great act reinvent themselves, and I think that's what I'm doing this year. Overall this year, Rose is averaging 18.5 points per game, his highest average since his MVP season with the Bulls. And his play has gotten the attention of players around the league, including Dwayne Wade. You know, to be able to see a guy who came in with so much athleticism um, and go through what he's been through, uh, but still put, pick himself up. And, and continue to you know, do something that he loves and, and do it differently, um, but still you know, be very good at it and you know, look like he's having a lot of joy. So that's all you care about. That's just been an incredible season for D. Rose, and don't forget you can vote for Derek, Carl Anthony Towns, and the rest of your favorite Wolves to get into the NBA's All-Star Game. Voting is open now. Just head to Timberwolves.com vote to get all the details. Stay here. We go three in the key next on the Timberwolves Radio Network. Experience the pack like never before with the official mobile app of the Minnesota Timberwolves. Whether you're at home, at Target Center, or anywhere around the globe, the app is your remote control to all things Timberwolves. Head over to the App Store or Google Play to download it now. Welcome back to WolvesCast Audio On Demand. John Fokey alongside Cal Serdequist here as we look ahead to Minnesota heading back out on the road. Three more at New Orleans, at Miami, and then they'll kick off the new year in Boston against the Celtics. Time to go three in the key. Cal, what do you got this week? Well, it should be fun. Uh, again, the Wolves out on the road for a couple, uh, a few, I should say. We start with three key players. Hassan Whiteside, the big man down in Miami, uh, he's been known to cause the Minnesota Timberwolves some trouble in the past. He's played three games against the Wolves in the last two seasons, and over that stretch, he has averaged 18 points, 12 boards, and 73% shooting from the field. Uh, it's fun to watch him and Cat go at it from time to time, so that's a matchup to keep an eye on on the inside. Second key player is another big man, a Kentucky big man, Anthony Davis. He's someone who has certainly seen his name in the news quite a bit over the last week and change, but it, it hasn't affected his play at all. Uh, over his last five games, he's averaging 28 points, 16 rebounds, four dimes, two blocks, and a steal. And it's not really just that five-game blip. Those are basically his season-long averages as well. Um, and he's putting up numbers that haven't been seen since essentially Wilt Chamberlain is the last guy to put together those type of numbers. And he needs to have that impact. That's a team that's still struggling kind of right there with Minnesota in terms of the Western Conference standings. So keep an eye on him on New Year's Eve. Uh, third and final key player is Kyrie Irving. Many Hoops fans 
probably saw the dominant performance by Kyrie on that Christmas Day overtime win against Jimmy Butler and the Sixers. Kyrie had 40, took over down the stretch uh, at the end of regulation and in the extra session. So we've seen him do it plenty, but we also have already seen once this season Robert Covington and the Wolves' defense kind of put the clamps on Kyrie. He went just 6 of 15 in that first meeting here at Target Center, though it was a Celtics win. We move now to two key stats. The first one uh, centers around home cooking. The New Orleans Pelicans, like we said, still below 500 on the season, but the home has been kind to them. They lead the NBA with a 115 offensive rating among home teams, so be weary of that road matchup in the Big Easy on uh, New Year's Eve. And our second key stat is first. The Boston Celtics, they, we could agree they have a fairly uh, storied franchise history, would you say? Mm-hmm. And, uh, well, that Gordon Hayward performance against the Wolves back in uh, December, the start of December, 30 points, 9 rebounds, 8 assists, and 30 minutes off the bench. According to Elias, it was the first time a Boston Celtic reserve had posted 30 or more, 9 or more rebounds, and 8 or more dimes in a game. So something that is almost hard to wrap your mind around when you think of some of the great bench players even that the Celtics have had. Well, their starters have been pretty good too over the years. (laughs) Maybe they haven't needed the bench as much in (laughs) some of those title runs. Okay, fair enough. We'll wrap things up with one key matchup. And we had a holiday theme last week. We'll do it again one more time this week. One key resolution for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Let's both you and I give one for the team. All right, my key resolution is pack the defense. We talked about it in the opening segment. Minnesota's defensive rating on the road, 113.6. Their defensive rating at home, 105.2. So I would say resolve to pack the defense. Pack the golf clubs to go to Top Golf <laughs> and do all that stuff, but pack the defense in the second half of the season because that's what's going to get Minnesota back into this. You know, you look at the standings right now, and hey, you're just essentially three game, six game winning streak away from getting yourself right back into the mix there in the playoff picture. Mine goes with that as well. Uh, consistency. I think consistency could help you climb as well. You've seen. We saw a great night from Andrew Wiggins in Oklahoma City earlier this week, and if he can find that next gear or that consistency that keeps him filling up the stat sheet like that on a a regular basis, that would be huge for the team. If the team brings that defense on the road, that serves to consistency. So consistency would be a big, big step for this team right now. All right, you can join us for the broadcast coming up on the road at New Orleans, at Miami, and at Boston. Uh, starting on Sunday evening. For Cal Sotoquist, I'm John Fokey saying so long. We'll talk to you again next week right here on Wolvescast, audio on demand on the Timberwolves Radio Network. This has been a presentation of the Timberwolves Radio Network.